This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart you can finally start to live your truthiest life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. I'm super excited to bring you this week's episode. I'm joined by special guest Soleil Ray, my daughter. She's laying here next to me sleeping. And in this next episode, we're going to do it in two parts. So I'm going to take you back in time during this episode and share everything that I've been doing very privately for the last nine months. And in part two, I'm going to share our actual birth story, what actually happened. So part one, what you're getting today is really learning everything that I learned and helping you understand why I made the decisions I made that informed my prenatal care as well as my intended birth plan. I've said all along that the word birth plan is silly. I've called it a birth preference because plans don't happen when it comes to birth. That being said, I did not think that my birth plan would go completely astray to the point where uh, nobody else was in my home. My husband delivered me over our toilet bowl and um, I gave birth in, I think I was in labor for four hours and she came out in about two pushes. So that was definitely not the plan. But I'm going to really help you understand how I arrived at the decision to plan for a home birth, <laughs> but not in the way it was intended. Why I also saw an OB and all the things that I learned over the past 10 months about women, our body's wisdom, our capabilities, and the complete mental shift that I went through from the access to information that I tapped into. 
I'm really excited to share this and I'm going to say this a million times throughout the episode. There is no right way to have a birth. There's no right way to do this. The best thing you can do for your body and your baby and your health, this is serious stuff, so please listen closely, is to really get rid of that noise, tune into your baby, know yourself and know what you need. So I'm not here to tell you what I did is the best thing for you. I'm here to hopefully empower you and help you learn about all these things that were not necessarily taught. I think there's a lot of fear about birth and labor. And I think that oftentimes we're not explained what certain medications do. And I think that there's nothing wrong with taking medications, but making informed decisions is really what I want you to leave this episode with. I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel able if having a child is something that you want to do. And I really want to inspire curiosity so that you can continue to learn before you get shuttled into a decision that may not necessarily suit you best. So that's what this episode's about. It's me and my husband kind of taking you back in time. Evan, my husband, is a doctor. He's a traditional trained doctor, and I think that's what makes this conversation super interesting. We're not really out there home birth people, you know. I think a lot of people that I know that have done home birth have lived very different lifestyles than, than I do. So we come to this with a very unique lens and approach and thoughtfulness and We certainly assessed every risk possible. Again, nothing went according to plan, but I am excited to take you back in time in this journey and help you understand how we got involved with a midwife and the difference in care and how that was still the right choice for me, um, ultimately, to try for a home birth, um, even though nobody attended my home birth but my husband. So this episode is going to take you back in time, and then I'll see you in two days on Sunday for part two, where I share the actual birth story. So I'll see you then, and I hope you like this episode. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. This week's episode is with special guest, husband, Dr. Evan Schlafmitz. Welcome back to the show, doctor. Thanks for having me. Long time. Yeah, it has been a long time. I think the last time we recorded was our... We were in the Hamptons. Yeah, our wedding recap one-year anniversary. So we only get him on for special occasions. And today we're also joined by our baby girl, Soleil Ray, a.k.a. Soli. Evan's holding a mic to the back of her head. She's sleeping on his chest right now. And uh, this episode is going to kind of take us back in time because... It's not that I wasn't completely honest with everybody, but I kept a lot of my birth plan and experiences to myself while I was making decisions, uh, learning a lot, and kind of trying to figure out what would be best for me, my baby, and my family for this specific time and birth. And the main reason for that for me personally was I needed to just keep the noise really low and outside of me. I know that a lot of people have strong opinions on how babies should be had. I mean, even without even ever mentioning what I'm doing or not doing, I got, you know, get the epidural, don't get the epidural, have a home birth, get a midwife, only see an OB, you know, so many different opinions coming at me. And this is just a really personal journey where I wanted to take time, really educate myself on information that I've never had access to before, consult with my intuition as well as my baby and say, hey, what's going to be best for me this time around? So what's interesting about, I think, me and Evan and our 
choice or choices that we've made is that Evan is a practicing Western doctor, right? I always forget if we're, we're, we're Western. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just made a line somewhere and said that's West and this is East. So I try to combine every everything, but I'm an interventional cardiologist, but also went to osteopathic medical school. And I try to integrate as much as I can, both Western medicine, as well as some preventative medicine focus with a lot of interest for myself, at least on some of the alternative medicine specialties. That being said, you do practice in a hospital. In a completely traditional. In a completely Western traditional. medical setting doing interventional cardiology. Which means the problem's already been had and you're there to fix it surgically. Sur- yeah, it's a surgical procedure, but my office-based practice does also involve a, a big focus on preventative medicine. Right. When you have a chance to speak to a patient, you are spending a lot of time with them, educating them, and that's for sure where your heart lies. That being said, you aren't the home birth type <laughs> necessarily. There aren't many of my colleagues that I think even entertain the idea of, of a home birth. It's not even, I think, something that, that comes up as a discussion because I am very much in the traditional medical world. You had OB experience in your residency, and didn't you leave there kind of feeling a certain way about how birth should be done? I loved OB. You know, I went into medicine to become a cardiologist. I always knew I wanted to be a cardiologist, but med school you rotate through really every specialty. And I was dreading doing OB. I had no interest in it. And I wanted to get out of it. And I did my OB rotation actually at Good Sam Hospital in Long Island. That's part of the same health system that I currently work in, part of Catholic Health. And I couldn't have been more impressed with what I learned and and the entire experience. And I loved every moment of it, actually. And I always tell Lisa, I was always quick to tell her, I delivered 28 babies during that rotation, 20 were C-sections and eight vaginal deliveries. And to me, it really was the most exciting part of medicine. It's such an incredible thing to be able to deliver and be part of a birth. And it was something that had such a large impact on me. And I remember as my last week of that rotation was winding down, I was thinking about, oh, is this something that maybe I'd want to do as a career path? And I knew I loved cardiology, but it was something that I had to think about. And you know, for deciding, should this be something I go into? And at the end, I obviously came to the decision that cardiology was the best thing for me. So I remember in that last day when I was delivering, I knew it was my last delivery, and I was thinking, there's nothing as high as that high of, you know, giving birth to someone being part of that process. And I remember there was this bittersweet feeling the last time I delivered there because I was thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to miss this, never being able to do this ever again. So that was some foreshadowing for what's going to come when we talk about the actual birth. But when it comes to the safety of a birth in a hospital, it feels like to me a lot of your colleagues and you in the very beginning of us learning about home birth versus hospital birth were very like, that is a high risk situation. What if something goes wrong? Blah, 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 blah. Definitely. Um, I mean, I didn't know there were options, actually. I thought there's people accidentally going to labor in their car on the way to the hospital and you were born in a hospital. I didn't know what a midwife was. I thought that was something from the 1800s and like from, uh, uh, what's that show that we watch? Uh, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. I thought midwife was, you know, from there, Bridgerton. I actually didn't know midwives. I really didn't know midwives existed until we learned. When when you said a midwife and midwifery, it was, 
uh, to me, it was something from you know the era of Bridgerton, and I, I truly didn't even know there was that option to discuss. I thought that this, in my mind, the discussion for birth was: do you want natural or C-section? I, I honestly thought those were your two choices: natural, natural meaning, meaning unmedicated, natural in a hospital, vaginal birth, vaginal, mm-hmm. vaginal delivery in a hospital, or mm-hmm. C-section. I didn't think there really was any other option. And while we're on that topic, I do want to mention that we should all stop saying the word natural birth because you could have a natural C-section, you could have a natural vaginal birth, you can have a natural birth where you require an epidural, in my opinion. And I think that there's kind of this like hoity-toity way of being like, it was natural, so it's better. And I think that's like a stigma that we should kind of try and break down so that every person who is going through birth can make the best decisions for them in the moment without any expectations. hundred percent. No, natural was erroneous terminology, vaginal delivery versus No, totally, but that's what people people say. And so when I started this journey, you know, just to give some background on my experiences with knowing people who had home births and midwifery, I also got pregnant and didn't know the difference between a midwife and a doula. And those are different functions that, you know, I don't, I don't have any friends that had a, um, a home birth. I have one friend, my friend Gigi actually had a home birth and they were kind of the one couple we know that like kind of has a lifestyle similar to ours and they do a lot of Western medicine and things that we do. We trust their decisions too. Yeah, we trust their decisions as well. And I also saw some pictures from her home birth and it looked really awe-inspiring and beautiful. So that being said, we are not people that come to this from a, you know, we do everything natural point of view. And we are not people that come from this from a, we do everything traditional medicine either. And I think that's what kind of makes us unique in the decision that we kind of made. And that decision was to continue with my OB care, my traditional OBGYN, as well as get a midwife. We wanted to have both. This was our first time going through the process, and I think we didn't know the pros or cons. Or if I think one thing we were afraid of, if we went with the, the midwife path, were we missing out on something? And you know, I think we'll get to more throughout the conversation. I think we, we learned that there isn't. Well, I just want to caution, and you know, I keep jumping in here because... Evan's very much telling like our personal story and I'm kind of zooming out to really make sure that every listener here knows that my goal isn't to influence you to do what we did, but to become educated and make the best choices for you knowing everything that you know about yourself, about you and your partner, about you know, the experience that you envision and all of that. So just want to clarify that like Evan and I going back and forth right here is Evan really sharing candidly our personal decisions and then me zooming out, making sure that anybody listening here is being responsible about their choices and making it them from an informed, not influenced place. hundred percent. That's the most important thing. And that's why for us, even it was something we did this parallel thing of doing both because we weren't sure at what point we'd pivot from one to the other. And first of all, another disclaimer, we're talking about this in retrospect. We're talking about this after you delivered and we know how it worked out. And Well, um, we actually didn't get either well, is the thing. But we we'll we didn't even know that. there was another choice. We didn't know we, there was another but choice. We'll, we'll get to that. But the, but the other thing, you know, I think for us, things that influence and in fairness, it's worth disclaiming. Mm, there, there's some things that are that we're in a different position than a lot of other people. Lisa's partner 
husband, you. me. <laughs> Myself. Myself. Yeah. I'm an interventional cardiologist again. I'm a physician. I'm trained in advanced life support. It mm. was never, you know, where we were completely alone anyway. So there, there was that backup of, you know, I wasn't with the resources of a hospital, obviously, for doing this at home. But, you know, that was an additional thing that not everyone has. Let's back up for a second because we haven't really said what we what we did here. So our plan was to have an OB, have a midwife, but for the pregnancy, for the, for the pregnancy, du- to monitor my pregnancy, to do the traditional sonograms with my OB, to have my midwife, uh, we did home visits, come to our house and kind of just share the information between, but ultimately have a home birth was the plan. And just so you guys know where that came from for me was a really strong intuitive hit from my baby like every time I sat with it it was just I couldn't envision a hospital for me and her and for for those of you out there that think that I'm probably too woo woo you know I had like two Reiki readings and they were both like you're gonna have an easy birth at home and it was just kind of validating because I, I just felt home 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 couldn't picture myself in a hospital couldn't picture myself lying on my back couldn't picture any any of that so we did decide to do both of those things two things to kind of say here is midwifery can be covered by your insurance however your insurance will not cover ob and a midwifery because those are two different things from what i understand at least about our insurance and our insurance's capabilities the first thing we said after we had the birth or the next day evan said you know this was such a privileged thing to be able to do, to go through it as we did, to have the day that we did where things kind of took place. And we just want to also acknowledge that this took more resources to double up for our safety, for our comfort than uh, what a lot of people, you know, will will want to do or be able to do, I should say. And I think a big part of, of even if you choose exclusively midwifery, this is part of our initial conversation at any point you may be migrated to the other way. If it becomes where it's either high risk for the baby or high risk for the mother, it becomes a hospital birth, whether or not you want it to be a home birth. And that was an important thing. So in the beginning, when we were signing up, we weren't really sure. You don't know at three months, are you the high risk mother or are you a high risk newborn? And that was part of also what what came into the decision making to do both because the first six weeks of your pregnancy were, you know, they we didn't, yeah. they told you after the, I think the second visit, don't get too attached because we can't tell you that this is a viable pregnancy. Right. And I also want to share that with my OB practice, uh, we moved to Long Island where we live about a year and a half ago. I hadn't established care with a provider at that point. And so I didn't really have a practice in place to go to by the time I got pregnant. And I had no existing relationship with a doctor. Which is a big difference. I think it would be a very different process had you had a, if this is the OB you'd been going to since you were, the GYN you were going to since you were 18 years old, I think it would be a very different relationship. Where here, it's a practice where they rotate physicians with each meeting there. I could tell you, I certainly didn't feel connected to it. Well, I mean, we're also coming from a time of COVID, which did also play a role in this decision. Number one is partners can't come to the OB appointments. And Evan is very hands-on and wants to be part of these things, as many partners do. Some partners don't, obviously. But um, we do like to make shared decisions and be there for each other during big things and, you know, sonograms and things like that. You know, they're still not letting patients into the room. So with the midwife, you know, it was 
that our appointment specifically happened at home. Uh, she has an office in Brooklyn. That So that was an option that we did since we live kind of far from Brooklyn and everything. The other part of COVID really started to change my thoughts around a hospital in general. First of all, obviously, Evan works in a hospital. He goes every day. But this idea of bringing life into a place of COVID kind of felt a little bit scary after a year of masks and all of that stuff. And I've worked in a hospital before. I mean, I've, I've probably dropped my spoon on the floor in a, in a hospital cafeteria and continued to use it before. And then all of a sudden hospitals became this kind of like scary place for me. There are dedicated standalone birthing facilities. What's where, the word? Birthing? Where midwife, well, birthing Forget centers. Birthing so, centers. So midwives, rather than at the home, they'll deliver you at a birthing center. And it could be water births. It could be non-water birth. And sometimes hospitals have their own birthing centers, which is kind of the ideal situation, in my opinion, because if you are kind of going a little bit more with your midwife and you don't want to use medication and you want to have a slow birth and not be rushed, you could have that and then also have the access to a medical team if you need an emergency C-section or if anything goes wrong. I think that that was that's ideal. A, we actually ideal. looked a lot for that. Oh, there, yeah. There's a lot of hospitals actually where midwife doesn't mean it has to be at home. We yes. did find that there were a lot of midwives who can deliver you at the hospital. And there were some hospitals semi-locally. It just wasn't what was right for us. Yeah. And I also didn't connect with any of the midwives in Long Island that I had spoken to. It felt very business for a lot of them. And one other thing, the hospital I work at doesn't have OB. I think that would have played a big oh, part yeah, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, if we could, do, my hospital, mm-hmm. you know, when Lisa say in a hospital, she didn't want to be physically in a hospital during COVID. You know, she associated in hospital was sick. I associate a hospital with happiness. I mean, I love my hospital. It, it is, it's one of my homes. And I think it, if the hospital I worked at had an OB facility, I I think we probably would have never even made it down the path looking into maternity. Probably. Your hospital definitely feels more like home, home. than mm-hmm. the hospital that I would have been going to. But uh, the second part of, of COVID, why I mentioned it, unrelated to just like my idea of a hospital just has to do with the fact that at the height of COVID, partners weren't allowed to be in the room with the delivering person last March, March of 2020. And that would have been worst case scenario for us. Right. The rules obviously have evolved a lot during the duration of this pregnancy, but there were times when we know we had friends that were delivering and the partner wasn't allowed to be present there. And that was something we we knew we didn't want our delivery to look like that. Right. That, that's for sure. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro. The first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. 
Don't waste time on tedious hand washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybrezza.com. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I do want to reflect back on when we found Yen. My midwife's name is Yen with TLC Midwifery in Brooklyn. She's amazing. When we did find her and she sent over the contract to work with her, we went over it with a fine tooth comb. And I remember the last part of it was asking us to imagine if something went wrong with our home birth with a midwife while we're like crying with our baby on his <laughs> How would we feel explaining that to our friends and family? That was one of the hardest parts for me because coming from a traditional medical background, all my coworkers, all my friends are physicians. It's, you know, I, I knew or I imagined at least option of going midwifery and, and not in a hospital birth would be looked at in a very negative light. And I remember for me, and I'm not, I don't have your background, just could I live with myself? Could we live with, you know, the decision that, that we made this fatal mistake was like, is this the route we want to go? And I'm sure if, if people read that contract, they they back out at that point because it's the truth, you That's know? That's in the contract in the hospital too. There, there's, oh. no guarantee, there's no guarantees in life. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily that people looked down on it. We just never, dis- I never discussed it with people at work. I just imagined that. But ultimately, that was the thing that was weighing on me, the what if. And Evan's a planner. I mean, in our house, we're always planning for every emergency is always being thought of. But for this, you know, for the whole duration, I, I was picturing every possible emergency and how I'd react for it and whatever equipment I could get for it. And, you know, it was, you know, my home is not a hospital. And, we, you know, we explored the ideas of having an anesthesiologist there. of Having like, an ambulance I, I on standby. Having, you know, just paying for an ambulance to be there on standby. And, you know, a lot of things that I know wouldn't be part of most people's home birth. Um, ultimately, we didn't go with either of those. I decided when I was going to trust the process, but I did have... I love hearing you say that. I've never heard you say that before. I had certain things that were predetermined in my head that if it gets to A, B, or C, Mm. we're transitioning to a hospital. And And our midwife was very... She made us feel very comfortable that she too would not be playing the game of chance. This was not... Yeah, that's it. And we talked about that a couple of times in our early visits. She was fully on board with that. And one of the things that that really drew me to her and, and... you know, before I got to know her, I developed a tremendous trust with her. But before I got to know her, when we first interviewed her, before we went with her, you know, her background, she was a NICU nurse, so a neonatal intensive care nurse at the hospital where we would otherwise be delivering. Previously. Where Lisa and I both met and were both born as well. So I like that she had that background and understanding of, of the traditional medical background and she also knew we discussed that if it was something that anything that involves someone needing a NICU, you know, this was going to be a hospital birth, not a home birth. We weren't, you know, that was one of the things we said when when we committed to this. This was, you know, at any point, if if you felt, you know, Lisa was better served by being in a hospital, that isn't a failure of midwifery. We want to know. And I think we were just very open and, and fluid with that, which which I think helped with our comfort with it. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of midwives, like I said, I've talked to a bunch of them and there's kind of not that blend of, yeah, I have that background, but a lot of them have, have none of that background. And I think they're probably you, amazing midwives. Though. I'm sure they're amazing midwives, but I think sometimes you don't know what to look for unless you've been on the other side. And yeah, I don't know. There's just Yen really spoke to us because of that background, because of her, we're not going to take a chance attitude and just who she was as a person. Like, you know, we went to see her. I'll never forget that trip to Brooklyn, us driving around and you saying, who would have thought we met seven years ago, that seven years later, we'd be driving around Brooklyn, meeting our midwife, you know, so many of those things in those sentences were just what? How did we get here? You know, from midwife to seven years later to really feeling like we are making big decisions together, atypical decisions together was just kind of crazy. You know, one other thing was we didn't just go one way or another. Lisa, the amount of research this young woman did is unbelievable every day i love when he home, talks to me like talks about me like he's my grandfather yeah two to three <laughs> books are always on her end table at all times and she'd be reading them highlighting and taking notes like she was taking a course like she was in you know pregnancy 101 and she did a tremendous amount of reading and education and learning about everything and she really did a tremendous amount of work so much of this was new to me i really believe midwife evan hates the word midwifery just so you know that's why you can't say it but i really thought that was something from the 1800s and the word doula i never heard before her yeah so let's also just break that down real quick the midwife is the person that steps in as the medical professional, the person that is the equivalent del- of an OB, the equivalent. But I may mean, feel like an OB would say they're not an equivalent. So I don't want to say the equivalent, but they're the medical. They're going to take on that role. They're going to take on the role of physically delivering the baby and monitoring mom, cases. monitoring baby, anything medical related. The doula is an emotional support person for not just mom, but for the couple in general. And uh, we had both. Her name was Myla, although Again, we'll get to her birth story next, although neither of them attended our birth. They were both incredibly valuable (laughs) to us and supportive of us. And I still would choose them over and over and over again. So like Evan said, I was doing a lot of reading. I have about 15 books next to my bed. I'll put, I guess, my top books in the show notes below. And I, I just kind of wanted to, well, I don't know what I wanted to do, but I'll tell you what ended up happening. I learned that how you want to have a baby, how many choices there are, how empowering it can be. Evan, I don't know if you know this, but like one of the one of the things that really stuck with me and from one of the books that I read was learning that women in comas have given birth before. Do you know that? It's like uh, literally a mic drop is like happening with his microphone. Not sure. I don't think I knew that. Learning that just really, I think, powerfully changes everything we've ever heard about labor that you could do it how with your eyes closed it's innate (laughs) how natural it is and how able we are to do it and i didn't mean to unlearn and learn so much but by soaking up this information like i didn't i don't think there's one way to have a birth i don't think having a home birth is the best way i don't think having an epidural or not having an epidural or you know medication or whatever like there's that one is better than the other i truly truly don't but what i walked away from after absorbing all of this information is how wrongly 
or incorrectly, we've been fed information about birth, our bodies, our body's wisdom and our body's capabilities. And I found myself very empowered and wanting to really feel through that. I also also just want to mention here that we kept this private. So I didn't just not share on Instagram that this is what I'm doing or on my blog. We didn't tell our families or coworkers, but I, th- initially I did. And then based on the response, initially you told him you know, when we were exploring the idea before, when we were exploring the idea, I brought it up in a very light way. Like, oh, what, to do who? You, what do you mean? To my family. I said, oh, oh. Lisa is considering doing this. And then the reactions weren't necessarily completely embracing it. And one thing Lisa made clear and partly why I think she was in public with this uh, Instagram and everything during the process was she didn't really want to hear any other opinions. If she decided this was right for her, she didn't want anything where it was second guessing or she didn't want to hear an opinion. Again, it's not that I'm not open to hearing opinions and becoming more informed. However, I did not want to introduce fear to either of my decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that people know how to do because they have a really distinct idea of what labor is, how dangerous can be. Millions of friends that had emergency C-sections, blah, blah, blah. I mean, one of the things that really scared me, by the way, was my absolute best friend's child had this thing called shoulder dystocia. And that means the baby is coming out and the shoulder gets stuck. And if you don't get that baby out very quickly, the baby can um, asphyxiate. Is that the right word? You know, get strangled. And that that's you know, you want to be in a hospital for that setting for sure. I mean, the stakes couldn't be higher. The, the stakes couldn't. The stakes couldn't be higher. And it's not just dangerous to the baby. There's, there's a lot of peripartum things that are very high risk to the mother. There's a lot of mothers that die during childbirth. I mean, it's 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 not a joke. It's not a game. And you know, that's what partly why we put so much thought into how we were going to do this and what decision was best for us. And when it came to learning about things like medication, epidural, like I said, like I don't know a person, maybe I know a person, but I really don't know anyone that hasn't had an epidural or would think that opting, not opting for one is a sane thing to do. So my whole life, you know, it was just like, okay, I'm going to give labor. I'll get an epidural. It'll be fine. I'll get the baby out, etc. The things that I learned about an epidural really changed my opinion on me wanting one. That is not me saying that having an epidural is bad or good or that you should get one or not get one. However, there's a few things that I learned about an epidural that I felt would make my labor more difficult. I still said, if I end up in a hospital, I will make that decision as necessary. That being said, we were planning for a home birth. There's no epidural in a home birth. So I was planning to have an unmedicated birth, which is why I did so much prep and relaxation methods and hypnobirthing and things that I've talked about a little bit before. For the sake of this conversation, I'll kind of curb that, maybe talk about it on another thing. But I really wanted to learn how to get my body prepared for labor and birth without the use of medication, because that is what I wanted. And, you know, I talk a lot about listening to your body and using your body's wisdom. Obviously, that pertains to food as I'm a registered dietitian and that stuff. But the more I read about birth, the more I realized that the pain is actually your body guiding you and helping you figure out what you need to do to support it. So even though epidurals make things feel easier, they actually make things 
harder. So you're blocking a lot of the sensations that are guiding you to breathe or to push, which could actually prolong your labor in many ways. Another thing that they do is once you have an epidural, and I believe there's two types of epidurals, like kind of like an epidural and a half epidural or something. I'm not exactly sure of that. But once you get the main type of epidural, you can't eat or drink. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but you're really in a state of immobility. You have to lay on your back. And I've only seen women prior to this whole journey nine months ago labor on their back. But one thing that I learned from my own education is that that's not the official labor position. In fact, the reason women lay on their back in pregnancy in a bed is so that the doctor can be of most assistance and see into the vaginal canal and help get the baby out. But you're actually collapsing the space by laying on your back unless there is, I'm sure there's some women that that do prefer that method and that's fine. But for me, I couldn't see myself laboring on my back. It's funny how I'm kind of foreshadowing here. So I didn't know there was any other way to, because those were the 28 deliveries I did. Women were all on their back. That was it. Right. And through all the, the birthing education that I started to learn, you can be crouching, you can be on your side with one leg up. You could be in the water. Water, water births a- is something that, you know, we were planning for. We got a birth tub. It's a, I don't even know why it's, you know, I guess it just kind of relaxes you, the water, and it feels good. I don't know. I guess we didn't learn enough about the water birth, and we never got to use it, despite that being our plan. It just looked like a more relaxing method to yeah. me, so I knew that I'm going to have it a tub here. more comfortable, I think. But I also knew that there's a chance I don't use the birthing tub as, and I, you know, crouch or I'm on a bed or whatever, whatever it is. But for me, really learning that, you know, once you have that epidural, you're stuck in the bed, you can't eat or drink. And, and, and those limitations just didn't feel good for me. I read and I listened to so many powerful stories about women who didn't have medication. And I remember this word very distinctly sticking out in my mind about a woman saying that the baby was expulsed from her body. And something about that just felt like I could see how that happens to people. And yeah, so for me, my plan, our plan was to deliver at home, to use the birthing tub, to have a two-day labor as many first-time moms are usually labor well we were told that labor can be one to two days and there's kind of this long period of contractions being very spaced out and the partner kind of helping you relax and getting through it the best that you possibly can so yeah epidurals a lot of people get them i'm not anti-epidural or or pro-epidural in fact although like i just said they make things harder for a mom that's completely freaking out and she's in a state of fear and the epidural is going to make her feel more comfortable the epidural for her then is the completely right choice <laughs> like I, I just want to really be clear on that that i don't have judgments towards epidurals i think they can be incredible and just for me, I really wanted to feel the sensations and really get to know what that experience was that I was reading all about. And I felt so empowered by reading all these other women's stories, actually. So other things that made up our decision was really envisioning what the birth process as well as the post-birth process would look like. I am a very sensory person and everything about a hospital is kind of intense on the senses from the fluorescent lighting to the beeping monitors and all of that just didn't feel like the experience that I wanted for this child. 
I will say I know a lot of spiritual people who are, you know, super woo woo and out there and are pregnant right now. And I've spoken to them and they're like, my baby wants to be born in a hospital. So there's, again, no right or wrong way to do it. The most important thing, I think, is doing whatever speaks to you and for each couple and person. And it's, it's a very individualized decision. I, I think a big influencing factor also on our decision was what things look like after delivery. Again, thing, the rules change depending on where you're located, but a lot of hospitals weren't allowing the husband in the hospital at the peak of COVID. And I knew I wanted to be present after delivery, not just during delivery. I knew Lisa wouldn't want to be in a hospital for two or three days there and with the baby in the nursery. And I know that postpartum, what it looks like for the the newborn, and it typically involves you know, a newborn exam pretty much right away. and Meaning they take the baby from the mom and get vitals and so forth? You know, I'm trying to remember because a lot of, most of my deliveries were C-sections, in fairness, not... Okay, good to know. Not vaginal. Good to know, Evan. No, so most were C-sections, so it's different. There, obviously, we do the newborn exam right away. For the vaginal ones... You know, skin to skin still was a, a primary focus. I don't remember. I think it was immediately skin to skin. And then a few minutes after you do the whole newborn exam. But I, I remember there was a lot of medical handling of the baby. Got it. There's, you know, the the fingerprints. They put the bracelet on, the tracking device. Um, tracking device? Yeah, because they, they're very concerned about theft and, and confusion of Ooh. whose baby's who. So th that's one of the first things that happen. And then the medical exam and you know, certain things like erythromycin for the eye ointment and injection of vitamin K and a whole number of things, some of which we elected to do in our own birth still at home. I don't know. When I pictured it, I pictured it happening right in our home as opposed to in a hospital. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybrezza.com. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required.
you know, with COVID, with the pandemic, I mean, I go to work every day, but Lisa hasn't left the bubble <laughs> of her house since uh, 2019. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm very, I'm definitely a, a creature of comfort and I'm more comfortable here. So listener, pregnant person, someone who wants to be pregnant, ask yourself, would you be comfortable in your own home having a birth? And that answer might very might as well be, I'd be more comfortable in a hospital. That's great. You could still go midwifery in some places. You can still go with your OB. You know, there, there's so many options. And that's what I really want to drive home during this podcast, that there are options to have birth. There are different ways to have birth. The body wants to give birth, which we'll get to in our birth story. But I really want to make sure that the listeners understand that this was our choice based on our unique situation. So like I said, we, we really kept this private. I told very few people, only those that I knew, not would just, you know, say that's a great idea but who would support me and really think about how to challenge me in the conversation. And one of the things I remember my sister-in-law said was we feel differently about this, given that Evan is a doctor. Again, Evan wanted to be part of the delivery at the assistance of Yen, who was going to be monitoring the baby's heartbeat. That was always my dream. At the end of OB, I remember when, you know, I, I kicked this off with saying how I was very sad that it, that I wouldn't ever be able to do a delivery again. And I remember at the end, they said, you know, I want to be part of my baby's delivery. And that, that was a big thing for me. And the way I pictured it, I pictured whenever we had an OB, I'd, you know, discuss with them. And if they were agreeable to, the, you know, that I could assist with it. And, you know, kind of pictured that I'd be an assistant in, in the process. But I also felt a lot more comfortable as the birthing person, knowing that my husband would be, you know, looking over my blood pressure, evaluating my, my vitals, as well as my, what's it called? Like looking at me. When and, to ask. So, yeah, when to ask. Well, I, I felt could comfortable. I tell you before last week, I didn't think I knew how to deliver a baby. <laughs> you know, yes, Fully I did, by himself. You know, 12 years ago in med school, but you know, I, I didn't think I was capable of that. But what I did feel confident in is being able to recognize when we needed to escalate to a hospital. And that, that that's was, what I do for a living. And That was huge it, for me. And that was comforting for me too, because I knew that this could be before we ever even get to water breaking, that if I felt that that Lisa would be better served by being in a hospital. We were mm -hmm. going to a hospital. Another thing that we didn't mention yet was where we live in proximity to a hospital is very different than most of America. There's places in America where you're three to four hours oh, of a drive or six so hours of a drive to a hospital. Glad you brought that up. We live. I mean, so, we were 15 minutes, and I think that's long. Right, we're we're 15 minutes. That's still too in long. Traffic. It, you know, that's it, still too long. If there was a real, it's too long in emergency. an emergency. But we are 15 minutes to a hospital, mm -hmm. and it's a big difference if you're three to six hours from a hospital. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So we were in a really unique situation in making this this choice from financial insurance only covered my OB, so we paid for our midwife out of pocket, having that extra choice to kind of go back and forth to Evan being a doctor, to having a hospital close by. I mean, there were so many factors that made us feel like there was a comfort blanket to this very atypical for us and our culture, mm. our community, yeah, decision to to make. And, and even just, being, you know, different resources that, that we had. I have an AED, you know, defibrillator in the house. I have medical supplies that, you know, I have zero in, interest in ever having to use, but, but knowing that they were there 
were part of my, you know, checklist when I was going through, is it safe to do this at home? And you know, for us, it doesn't mean that it needs to be there, but that was stuff that was important to me. And I you know, started doing my homework, uh, uh, I'd say the prior month on- We had different you know, roles in this. On, on perioperative emergencies and different things and what to that. do. I was doing a lot of my research so that I knew when to escalate and, and how to best respond. I remember either our midwife or our doula asked us a question, you know, like, what's your biggest fear or whatever, you know? And I said, I think like Evan being at work while I went into labor. And then I think she also said like, well, why do you feel comfortable with him as your birthing partner? And I said, I trust him. I, I trust Evan explicitly with everything, of course, but when it comes to his medical advice, I know that he doesn't take risks. And he also has at, consulted with me prior to this saying, at what point should I take you to the hospital? Meaning like, if I'm screaming for the hospital, does, do I want to go to the hospital? We predetermine when, you know, when to listen. Cause I said, you're going to be in pain saying, get me, get me an epidural. You know, I, I wanted to know when she actually wanted it, when she'd look back and, and wanted it. And we kind of established those. I said, if I say I want other. it, I, I, I want it. But I will also mention this going back to the epidural talk. Um, and we'll talk about this in part two when we actually talk about our actual labor. There was a point in my birthing, <laughs> it was a very quick labor, which we'll get to, but there was a point in my labor where the pain was so intense that I was screaming for an ambulance. And I know that if I was in a hospital in that level of pain, I would have gotten an epidural. Definitely. Uh, I mean, to save my life and to save the baby's life, we were at, I was at the point of what the f is happening. I couldn't even use those words, but it's to say that you don't know what you're going to need until you're in a situation. So that kind of goes both ways. One of which was if I was in a hospital, I would have gotten the epidural. And I never, I didn't listen to you about the calling that I wanted to talk based on gauging the situation. Well, yeah, we were too escalated into where the labor was, but you would have if it was um, yeah, a if safe, it was if it was a safe time to, yeah, if it was to go to the hospital. Um, that being said, I think the fact that I didn't get an epidural and I'll explain in part two what my body kind of did shows how powerful labor is. It's intense. It's strong. You are pushed to your absolute limits, but your body does it like or my body did it. But wrapping up this conversation here. I actually just want to mention that although I explicitly trust OBGYNs, the experience with the midwife for me was very different because the appointments were happening in my home. Because of the casualness that I like, I often felt that when I went to my OB's office, which by the way, it's like we mentioned, it's a rotating practice. All of them were super professional. If there was an emergency, I know every single one of them would make the right choices for me. If I went to the hospital, they would have been fantastic medical pr practitioners, but I did not have a great connection to them where I felt like every appointment I left with more information about what's going on with my body, what's coming up. And I also felt, which this is on me, or maybe it's on me, that I lost my voice there. Like I didn't feel like I could ask questions and be heard. I felt a little bit rushed in some situations with some practitioners. And also, I know this is going to sound funny, but the clothing that they wore in my OB's office was intimidating to me. Whereas our midwife was dressed a little bit more casual. Mm -hmm. 
And it played a role in my ability to use my voice to express fears, to ask questions, etc. And cetera. express your wants and, and to mm-hmm. say what you what your what you wanted was. You know, so so what did the home visits look like? I think that's an important thing to describe. And it was on our couch. You know, we'd be we were sometimes on the floor. We were all sitting on the floor. It was a very comfortable. It was no different than if we were doing a yoga class, basically. <laughs> and you know, it was very comfortable. And we developed tremendous rapport. Now, as you said, nothing was wrong. You had no issue with any of the anyone from the OB office. Mm-mm. There was that lack of connection. And part of that voice, I think a lot of people can have that voice on their own. But I will say it's very helpful when you do have a family member there. And I know it from the other side. When I have office visits with patients all the time, you know, I'll, I'll explain a procedure that's coming up or explain what happened in a procedure in the medical plan. The patient nods and they don't ask any questions sometimes. Everything may have been over their head, but because of their relationship, a lot of times, sometimes they don't ask the question or they think they understand. And a lot of times it's it's the, you the know, partner, family member, whoever it is. Sometimes it's a brother, or a child, a spouse, and they'll ask some questions. And then, you know, the patient says, oh, yeah, yeah, what is that? And, you know, I think sometimes it's helpful to have that second person there. And especially... Even if the the patient's asking all the questions, when they get back in the car, it's the person they can bounce things off of after. Like, wait, what did that, the doctor say? And I, well, know. I know when to I used me, to attend a, yeah. your doctor's appointments oh, in Florida yeah, that we Lisa went to. Lisa asked more of the questions than I yeah, asked. The yeah, the doctors all kind of hated that. me. A few of them hated me. Well, yeah, I put also, as the patient, you wanted to be liked by the doctor. So yeah. I'd always put Lisa up to all the questions. Yeah, I'd always, all the, like, kind of antagonistic questions I'd always ask Lisa to ask, but, it, but that's well, important. A lot of people lose their voice around doctors and we're saying this, I'm saying this to a doctor. So, you know, nobody has to take it personally. It's just something to no, know I that it's an mindful. intimidating, you want to be respectful of your doctor who's put in years of training and you want to respect their decisions and you don't want to feel like your question is going to make them feel like you don't trust them. Yeah, it's just, it's. A, I think a lot of people lose their voice, not just me, so I, I do feel like that's but, got. But I think it's important also just having that, that partner there in the, in the visit, I think, plays a big role. I think we'd feel very differently had I been in, in the appointment. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it's changed mm-hmm. my practice. You know, I in COVID, we had different restrictions in the hospital, but I always invite as many family members as want to come in. I think it's, it's the best thing for the patient to have those multiple family members there. They're all patient advocates. They're advocating for the patient. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes important. Some patients are fine on their own, but I always invite them. And if they don't have someone, I often say, oh, do you want me to call your wife? Do you want me to call your husband? Give him an update. Because that's really helpful in mm-hmm. making sure that there's understanding and, and the, all the mm-hmm. questions are answered appropriately. Yeah. So like I said, we went back and forth. I did all like the heavy medical stuff with my OB. I got did my sonograms there. I did my blood work there. And then I'd provide that information back to my midwife who was kind of managing it. And therefore, I didn't have to double up and get a second sonogram or blood work or anything like that, you know, unnecessarily. So twice just because I was doubling up on care. The other thing that we want to mention before we sign off is we had a, a doula as well. Her name was Myla, and we had uh, one visit with her pre, and then one we virtual. Had virtual. One virtual, one in person. One in person, and like and I said. And then one interview that before we. Right, uh, and the doula is the support person for the mom and the, the partner, and I was just blown away by our in-person session. It was, yeah. I don't know, maybe two hours. She came to our house, 
and she wildly prepared us for how to, she wildly prepared, I think you, on how to help me during labor and wildly prepared me mentally on trusting Evan. Like, do you remember after that appointment, how connected we felt to each other? Yeah. Remember she had us like look into each other's eyes and during one of the positions and we, I started to cry a little. Yeah, no, it was all great. It was, it, well, it was great because we both, you know, you guys know Evan and I live very parallel lives sometimes with his schedule being so busy and, and mine being busy, but not as busy as his and coming together <laughs> is hard. Oh. And, you know, that fear of mine was, is Evan going to be able to, to show up and really be present for my birth? And I left that feeling so good. Anyway, our birth story ended up being completely different than everything that we had planned. We'll get to that in the next episode. But I will say that I wouldn't change a thing of how we did it from not taking risks, going the OB route and the midwife route. That was right for us. And given that this was my first time and we didn't know what we'd be missing and we wanted to make sure that if anything became high risk or there were changes in my... That we had a pre-established relationship. That was a big mm. thing. That was a big thing oh, too. That great final point. For us because, you know, and again, not right for everyone, but we wanted that if we had to evolve to a hospital that we had that relationship with right. the OB already. So even up until the end, if I was... If everything went according to our plan, which it didn't. And I was, you know, home with the <laughs> midwife and I wanted to go to the hospital. I didn't want to show up and have a resident delivering me. I wanted to go with this practice that I do trust, that I do know most of the doctors. I didn't actually meet all of them. So I actually could have ended up with somebody that I've never met before. And and having that pre-existing relationship of trusted practitioners was super important to us. That being said, I, I wouldn't change a thing. And I absolutely just have to give a huge shout out, even though they were not at my birth, to my midwife and my doula who attended after my birth. Again, this will make a lot more sense in the next episode for being incredibly supportive and warm and in so many ways getting us through that. Are you crying, Evan? A little bit? A little. He's shaking his head. And our baby girl did not make one peep during this. And Evan just kissed her head. How do you like her lying on your chest? She's the best. And lastly, I'll just finish off with this. We took her to the pediatrician. And the pediatrician um, has not dealt with many home births in this area. And her question to us was, would you do it again? And I said, yes, but I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. And I just want everybody to leave this episode feeling really empowered about birth, but not minimizing how serious it can be and not minimizing your own individuality in what's the right birthing option for you. So I hope that this episode simply spikes curiosity to want to learn more about birthing options, about your body's wisdom, and allows you to feel more comfortable knowing that if you do want to have children, there's so many ways to go about it. You absolutely can do it. There's no right or wrong or more righteous way to do it with medication, without, like seriously, F all that. You got to make sure that whatever you're doing is best for you and your partner if you have one and continue to learn about all the different things and methods that that you can do. So like I said, I didn't mean to like learn so much, but coming out of this nine months later, again, hadn't read one book on alternative pregnancies. I don't know if that's the right word before this. I have a completely different point of view and my feelings of fear have absolved in so many ways. And I, I just want to encourage everybody to learn 
to recognize that fear does not need to be part of the conversation and to know that it's a really noisy space where everybody thinks that they know the right way to have a baby. One last thing is, do you remember what one doctor said to you that got you tripped up in the last few weeks? A male doctor regarding not having an epidural? Yes, I, yeah. Let's let's finish off with that because that tripped you up. This wasn't about Lisa. This is just talking about someone else. Recently, a, a colleague and friend of mine. Wait, recently, prior to my birth. Yeah, about a week or two before Lisa's birth, colleague and friend of mine had made a comment to a, a group, not directly about Lisa, because again, I was private about what we were planning on doing, but they were talking about another person who recently gave birth where the person decided not to have an epidural. And, you know, he made a comment that that's cruel and unusual to put someone through that and, and that, you know, it's completely inhumane and said, you know, any husband that supports that should be shot, you know, should, should go through that, basically. And I don't think that that comes from like a misogynistic point of view. No. I think that comes from a, a caring. I, yeah, I came from, home and told that to Lisa. I, and mm-hmm. I said, like, I, I, you know, I said, I don't want you to go through a pain. Like I, I said, mm. I came home that day and said, like, I hope like we're not being callous in our decision making. I don't want you to have to go through pain. Yeah, I know. Like, like your lip like turned over. A, and like, I don't want you to be in that much pain. And I think it really shows, though, how much fear is fed into this and how our capabilities are told that they're limited and that we can't do it. Again, no right or wrong way to do it. But I thought that that was just a really telling from a male point of view about what childbirth entails, the pain level and and the relief and the treatment for it. And the treatment. Right. There's an option to make it a little bit more tolerable. But again, you know, you used hypno. Yeah. Well, is your sort of well, I, I practice with hypnobirthing. Yeah. I didn't get to use any of my tools. You'll hear more of that in part two, where you learn why nothing went according to plan. And Evan actually was the only person, and of course, our baby Soli, to attend our birth, which happened in four hours, 22 minutes of pushing over the toilet bowl in our home. Not glamorous, not the water birth I wanted. But that was the plan. The plan? It wasn't our plan, Uh, but... It was the plan. The plan. The big plan. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and you learned a little bit about how we ended up doing what we did. And that next episode, we'll really share everything about what happened as well as the aftercare. I also want to discuss things like cord blood, something that Evan was really passionate about obtaining, um, what a non-medical pro would do if you were in my situation where you went into very quick labor and didn't have time to get to a hospital. The best parts of home birth in general, as well as our own best parts and some of the worst parts too, considering we were in, you know, an emergency situation. So we will tell that story, which I'm so excited to share in part two of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being here, Evan. Thanks for having me. Hope to be back soon. Baby Soli, do you want to say something? Soli? Oh, you can hear her breathing. And on that note, as you can see, everything worked out for us, which is why I'm able to sit here and have this conversation and speak openly, but also speak really positively about not wanting to change a thing. That's not always the case. And I encourage you all to get curious, to learn more, to know that your body is incredible and to make the best decisions with you while always forking the noise, as I like to say, and keeping a lot of those distractions out so that you can trust your intuitions and make the best choice for you, your body, and your health. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you at part two.
I just want to pop in real quick at the end of this episode to let you know that part two, our actual birth story, what went down, why my husband ended up delivering me at home over the toilet bowl, uh, that whole story in detail my whole labor, everything that you want to know is going to be broken down. So in two days on Sunday, you can find this episode wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for being here and I'll see you back on Sunday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids, you know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 